Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Marley Ball, Jamal Forrest. You can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. You know why we're here. Um, Washington is one in one and, and they're one in one in, in kind of a, a very interesting way if you're if you're talking about one of the ways in which you did not anticipate going down this is probably the podcast for you because we're going to talk about what we didn't expect and how bad it looked early on and how bad it could have gotten if they didn't play against jared golf as well uh but joining me today we got the good man damian bartonic uh, Damien is a Hogshaven staff writer as well. He's here to chop it up. And, and not only that, man, Damien does a ton of other things in the San Antonio. Uh, I think San Antonio. I hope I got the area right. But he's definitely down in Texas, man, uh, doing his thing from a journalist standpoint, interviewing a thousand players, man, making sure he gets that that resume together for when he gets on to ESPN and, and the, the, the big the big dogs and stuff like that. But uh, Damien's checking in me. We do post game. Damien, how are you feeling tonight or today? Whatever. <laughs> Something. Hey, no, I'm doing I'm doing well, man. I love the introduction. Uh, hopefully one day I do make it to ESPN. But right now we're just we're, we're, we're our eyes are set on local news and stuff, local sports. So. Uh, I respect on that. that. One, one level at a time. Yeah, one level at a time, baby. This isn't causality in the brain. It's not multi-leveled. I need just one level, and we'll go from there. <laughs> Absolutely. I respect that. I respect that approach, man. You know, I've been locked in for a minute, so it ain't nothing. And I'm glad right. that you're on, you're on the Hogshaven side, too, so we can do this Hogshaven thing on a normal basis. Um, but you know why we're here, man. 36-27, Washington suffers their first loss of the season on the road against the Detroit Lions at Ford Field, a place in which I did not anticipate was going to be as loud as they claimed it was throughout this week. Apparently, it's somewhat true. But another thing that's apparent and that's true is that this defense is going to cause us issues all year. Um, I told people on this podcast, I told people outside of this podcast, Damian, if you are anticipating this defense to really get stops, uh, God bless. This is a defense where you just got to hope they get some plays and make some plays when they get the opportunities, meaning third downs or a bad throw, because that's the only way that you're really going to see this see this defense succeed uh, is on third downs or maybe even uh, a quarterback or a fumble uh, uh, from a running back or something like that or a quarterback making a bad throw. Damian, I'm going to kick it off to you, man. Your overall thoughts on how this team played and obviously like the passion that you had before we started this uh, led to, towards the defensive issues, man. I want to give you the floor. Yeah, man. So I think defensively we'll start. Uh, I won't start with the first thing on my head because it's, it's the Ron Rivera comments. That's the first, the last thing we left off on. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll keep that there. But 
Uh, I think defensively, man, a lot of people have been, you know, pointing at, you know, Jamin Davis and the linebacker room in general. That was a, a room that everyone said, hey, that's going to be the weakest, you know, you know, position on the team. In my opinion, over the first two weeks, it's been the defensive back room. I mean, both corners, William Jackson and Kendall Fuller, have, they haven't had very good weeks to start off. Uh, Bobby McCain, I, I, don't, I don't know what he was doing out there. He did, you know, 60 minutes of cardio today as far as I'm concerned. Uh, overall, the, the defensive back room, it's, it's shocking to me how they are still struggling. I mean, they, communication is still a big deal. Obviously, you know, they have guys running wide open free. Don't even know, you know, they're not even in the same zip code. Uh, it's, it's, it's shocking to me because these are all veteran guys, right? So you would anticipate them to be able to, you know, play as one unit as time goes on. Uh, but this is, you know, relatively the, the, the same exact group from last year and the issues are still present, right? So I think for me, the biggest thing that stood out to me on the defensive side of the ball is just how just inconsistent and really just mediocre the secondary is, um, regardless of what you think about the linebackers. If the secondary isn't there, it doesn't matter. Like you can, you can have you can have Luke Keekley, you know, as your mic. If your secondary can't stop anyone, it's it's just a, it's how how good are you really as a defense? You know, so uh, I think the secondary really stood out to me. And then uh, it's an easy one, you know. Obviously, the offensive line has some struggles, but I think a lot of people, I know Washington fans, are a bit uh, worried to you know get on to Carson Wentz a little bit sometimes, uh, just because of the national media and stuff like that. But calling protections is also a part of the quarterback's job. That's also on the job description. So if you know you're not able to do that either, it seemed like he was kind of unprepped for some of the pass, uh, some of the rush that Detroit was giving uh, Washington's offensive line. He's a pretty, he was pretty unprepared, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage. So you know maybe there's something there you got to watch out for as well. But I think overall, man, it was just a sloppy game and it ended uh, the way it started, just gross. Yeah, either him, either him. Uh... I mean, Carson Wentz or Chase Ruye. I don't know how that kind of went down. Obviously, we know, at least in Washington this year, uh, that Chase Ruye is calling the protections at the line. But Wentz did dive into this in the preseason and that um, it's layered. So it starts off with Chase Ruye, but he can make some adjustments after that. Um, so I, I think to your point, um, it's interesting how they handled this. It's also interesting how Scott Turner handled the protection calls. Uh, but, but to the defense to start things off for me, um, I 100% agree with you. I think one of the biggest things, like that first drive Washington had, uh, defensively, they had their third down defense was really good. Uh, Jamin Davis was able to get a sack on that that uh, great three man stunt. But ultimately, uh, that second drive that you have with uh, let's go ahead and get my man Danny back in here. Oops, didn't mean to do that. Here we go. Lost lost Damien for a second, but I'll I'll run it back for it for Damien. Um, I think one of the things, essentially, what I was saying, Damien, just to to sum it up. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about the defensive side of the football, uh, and to your point with William Jackson the third and, and, and just the secondary altogether, Kendall Fuller had a rough day. Uh, he lost Swift on a 50-yard run, uh, one of the the big the bigger runs that started off for DeAndre Swift and and not being uh or not being able to really find him and he breaks off for 50. But right before that, on the second drive, you have William Jackson and Benjamin St. Juice have a miscommunication on third down in which they give up a 49-yard catch and run from Amon Ross St. Brown over the middle, middle's wide open and uh, communication issues as you allude to for you to have that issue and not be able to to understand who your assignment is when you're in that trips formation or facing a trips formation and you don't know who to take and both of you all take the same guy that middle of the field is wide open <laughs> so uh you start off the the, the day in a, in a really good situation and Jamin Sachs get Jamin Davis gets a sack on the, the first drive of the game you think things are going to go well for you all and then uh the communication issues resurface and then not only that Throughout the game, you have plenty of people getting out of position. 
uh, one of the bigger plays in which Washington was leading down on, on their comeback attempt. Uh, William Jackson in third loses the football literally on a, on a jet sweep. And in the midst of a jet sweep, the, you see the, the, the runner, the ball carrier run right past William Jackson, and he's still looking the other way. Um, so there are several issues with the secondary, and it's not just from a pass standpoint. It's from run defense, filling the run, uh, filling the run gaps, and also being able to help him run support. So there's a, a, a multi-layered issue defensively from the player standpoint, and we haven't even gotten to the coaches yet, Damian. <laughs> I guess we can start. If you want to start with the coaches right now, we can. Because uh, I know a hot topic right now is, you know, Jack Del Rio, should he be fired and everything like that? And that's kind of what everyone's discussing right now. Um uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'll start with that before we do the Ron Rivera stuff. For me, I definitely see where that's coming from, and I definitely think it's warranted. Um, at the same time, too, he doesn't play out there either, right? So I think it's both the the, the players that we're mentioning and, this, and the coaching also doesn't work. Like, for example, I don't know if this is just me, but it's 2022, man, and, and the, the theme of, the, of any modern sport is versatility. You can't have guys that are one-dimensional that can only play in one scheme, and I know football is very scheme-dependent, but at some stage, you have to be versatile, man. You got to be able to do more than just one specific thing. So if you're saying, "Oh my goodness," there, you know, I don't know Washington's zone demand percentages, but if you're saying, "Oh my gosh, William Jackson," you know, and he's a man corner, blah blah. As far as I'm concerned, since William Jackson's been here, whether it's man zone, whatever, he you could put him on pump return, and he still hasn't been able to produce. Right? It doesn't matter what it's been; he's struggled throughout everything that you've done, you've thrown at him. And I think really Washington has. Uh, uh, a talent issue for one. They're they're not a very talented team. That's why whenever you know we were talking about you know I was previewing the, the, the division. I was saying Philadelphia on paper is by far much more talented. And people looked at me like I was crazy. But I think you know Washington from a talent perspective isn't very isn't there. They don't have guys with much you know upside or potential. Uh, you know everyone in the secondary is you know older players like I mentioned uh, outside of BSJ of course. But I think really man Jack Del Rio's scheme probably doesn't fit best for these guys. But also. These guys have to contribute as well, man. You can only do so much. And especially for guys like Kendall Fuller who have been in the system. You know, Ken, Kendall Fuller, you had a great tweet, Maul. You said that he's a – you said, like, like he's a he's a good player, above average corner, right? Above average. Above, yeah, above average corner. You know, that means he can, you can get a stop, but you can also scheme to beat him, right? And we saw that, you know, down, I believe, when the Lions scored uh, the, the touchdown to give him a, uh, give him 29 points in the game where uh, he had he had outside leverage on, on uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yep. He ends up getting, you know, juked out of his cleats. His, his cleats are left somewhere in fourth field. Leverage. Yeah, and just gets out leveraged, and it's 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 a walk-in score, right? So, um, it's 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 one of those things, man. Where I think it's a it's it's multi-leveled again, man. It's the secondary, the the personnel, probably the little bit of the scheme, but really, man, I, I think I think it's kind of it's kind of a cop out sometimes to just throw out the coordinator because, man, the players got to play, right? The players got to play. So, that's my. I'm a hundred percent. I'm 100% with you, and to add on to that conversation, I think there was also something. Somebody asked me a question today, and I'm out to try and find it now. Uh, he had asked, here, he's like, do you think this is disciplined by the players, or do you think this falls on Jack Del Rio and Ron? This is pretty inexcusable defense being played today. And my response, because I, I thought it was a really good question, and you're you're speaking to it too, and, and, and my, my response was this. Um, it will always be a mixture, Damien, when it comes down to, to who's most to blame. But I think the difference from other teams compared to what Washington is currently facing, I think it could go 51-49 either way. 51% coach or 51% player either way. Like, it's not heavily one-sided with this defense. And and when we're talking about getting these guys together uh, from a collective standpoint, 
you're going to forever face these issues this year and for them to call out and we're going to talk about it right now <laughs> uh, for them to call out Jamin Davis throughout the week but then Ron Rivera immediately after this week is over look for his scapegoat and look at Jamin Davis and out of all of the people that you can talk about after the game was over say I wasn't impressed by Jamin Davis who the hell asked for that who who cares what Jamin Davis played like when your defense gave up 36 points and a lot of the times it had to do with your cornerbacks and your pass rush not being able to get home consistently we all knew Damien that this was a situation where if you pressure Jared Goff you you could have success you all knew that if you got up in his face you got in his kitchen he would give you some opportunities to force uh to create turnovers and create stops and get sacks and all all, all that type of stuff it came down to this front seven and obviously the, the back end playing well from a collective standpoint but altogether Jamin Davis was not the reason uh, or, or, or the, the, the point of emphasis here after this game. It's not, the, it's not the first name that you should be calling out. It should be your coaches, and then it should turn into how units played, not how a player played. Like, he already been through enough this week. He already was a storyline for no reason, but you decided to mention Jamin Davis in a situation where your team just essentially got their ass whooped their, their, the first half, and then it, it kind of carried over to the second half. Yeah, I think that was ridiculous. I, I I put on Twitter, man. I said, you know, I like Ron, <clears throat> but calling out the, you know, your second year player that, you know, you overdrafted and then threw into the fire at a position he was unfamiliar with because he was not a Mike in college. He was always a will. He was going to be a will in the next level as well. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but I, I was a Jamin Davis guy. I still am. Uh, but, you know, respectfully, Ma, I don't know if you were, were big in the 2021 draft. I'm assuming you were. I don't think there was any any scout, any anyone that wrote articles that said, oh, yeah, Jamin Davis could be a Mike right out of the gate. No one thought that. Literally nobody. So for you to be kind of worried about his development or throwing him, you know, throwing him under the bus, you know, this early in his development, when you essentially set him up to, to fail at first, uh, doesn't really make sense to me. I think it's a, uh, you know, a poor example of leadership, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and if I was Jamin, I'd feel some type of way because, there's a line you have to cross, right? There's a line between coaching and essentially kind of make, making someone out to be the scapegoat. And that's what it's coming off like. You know what I mean? Especially, you know, when you have Jack's comments and then now Ron's uh, today. I think it's it's laughable that Jamin Davis, of all people, uh, was the guy you would call out uh, considering how awful that secondary was today. I mean, w- did we all see DeAndre Swift fall on his butt, right? You had, get up on a third and 15. You had, you yeah, had Benjamin St. Juice. Take, you know, and, and friend of the show, Benjamin St. Juice, a friend of Trevor Dive, so no disrespect, he's a good guy, a good kid, right? You know, he took a horrible angle. But Kendall Fuller, I, I don't know what he was looking at. I don't know where he was at, right? He, he's he's looking. <laughs> DeAndre Swift's already at the pylon, and Kendall Fuller's just now turning back. Like, it was so – I'm like, guys, you of, of all people, Ron, you could talk about saying, oh, he's inconsistent. Are you serious? At least Jamin Davis is a second-year player. These are guys that are six, seven, eight years in the league in Kendall Fuller, William Jackson, Bobby McCain's case, and they're still struggling. Like, they're struggling just as much, right? And then uh, one last thing, you know, in his own room, Cole Holcomb today, uh, there's a play, I believe it was second down, uh, uh, a running back, I think it was running back or tight end in the flat. Cole Holcomb doesn't even look at the ball. He looks at the ball to pick six. It's a pick six. If he just looks at the ball. Jack right. Rail's on the sideline, frustrated. Like, bro, why aren't you going for the ball? It's right there for you. Yeah, it's 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 literally like just turn your head, just turn your head. You'll you'll catch it with your face mask probably. 
if you have a vi- if you don't have a visor and you'll catch it with your face mask like it's 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 one of those things where I, I, I get what they're trying to do in, in some sense right I'm sure it's coaching and you know oh you know trying to coach someone up I guess and they think he can take it I'm sure but at the same time man I just don't think that's the way to do it and it, clearly it hasn't worked because you calling him out this year you know this off season and now if he's still not playing to that level clearly there's something deeper going on so I just thought it was ridiculous Maul. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And and another thing that's ridiculous is a uh, first half shutout. Washington <laughs> uh, ends the first half down 22 to nothing. And when we're talking about the the, the defensive side of the football, rightfully so, uh, this offense for Washington was a complete it, from it was a complete opposite from what you saw and and what they were able to do against the Jacksonville Jaguars who by the way I think Pierce shut out this week against the the Indianapolis Colts but you to the point of what we're seeing against uh, against the Detroit Lions for Washington um let's let's actually go through the drives I still have them up here thank god um drive by drive uh you start off with a three and out then this is all in succession by the way that's everybody listening three and out three and out two plays and a safety three and out three and out Six plays in a punt, six plays in a punt, nail down. That That is your first half. Your longest drive was six plays, 14 yards. That took up two minutes and 11 seconds. And it was all thwarted by a decision that confused the hell out of me. Matter of fact, this wasn't even the one. This was um the, sec- the, the, the drive before that. Six plays, 10 yards, where Washington on a second and eight throws uh, uses a flea flicker to try and fool the defense and throw it, throw it deep to Cam Sims and a drive that you were moving. Uh, you throw a, you throw a flea flicker on second and eight, and all of a sudden you're behind the sticks because first off, it's a third and eight, and then right after that you get a delay a game that backs you up to a third and thirteen. So now you're facing from a second and eight to a third and thirteen, and now you're on fourth and thirteen after that. Um, in a situation where that flea flicker could have got picked too, Damian, it could have yeah. got picked off. Carson Wentz just heaved it up there and prayed for the best. So. Like, it wasn't just that Jack Del Rio. This was an entire game in which the coaching staff were not, they clearly weren't prepared. They were late in their adjustments. One side of the ball just couldn't get a stop when you really needed it. But one side just couldn't, they adjusted uh, in the second half. But that's already when they're down three possessions. What do you think about this this offense, man? I think I think today, I, and it, it, it was a little bit of both of Rulia and Wentz, right? We mentioned earlier, like, I think with the protections and stuff like that. Uh but I think the skill position players in terms of the receivers are are fantastic, right? I think sometimes Scott Turner can get in his own way uh, because there's some some things like, obviously, we're not, you know, I'm not a coach, so I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, I know exactly what every defense and all this, you know, this, that, and the third. But there's some things that, you know, good offensive coordinators, like good offenses do in general, and that's scheme up easy, you know, touches for your best players. And you can do that. You can do that with these three guys, whether it's Jahan, Curtis, you know, Terry, you can do that. And we've seen like, hey, Sometimes when the going gets tough, man, like we saw early on, I felt like they should have tried to do that. I think uh, I don't know the the exact you know you know snap to throw numbers, but it seemed like early on they were kind of looking to, for the second and third level you know passing stuff when they should have just kind of taken advantage of the quick passing game. I feel like they didn't really do a good job of that, and by, by the time they did, you know screens were getting blown up before you know it was already too late, right? So I think they really have. I think Washington in general, this coaching staff, kind of has a tough time with figuring out the flow and pace of a game. Does that make sense? Like, I know in basketball, it's a little bit more, you know, it's easy to see. But I think yeah. this staff in particular, once they kind of get rocked or the momentum kind of starts to to kind of shift, 
it just it just goes all the way down until like uh, uh, until it's rock bottom, and then they start working their way back up. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm a hundred percent. I I completely understand, and I yeah. think what what you're what you're explaining, and I guess what I'm going to I'm going to say the exact same thing, probably yeah. just in a different way. Is yeah. more about uh, how they're able to uh, manage. Like again, like you throw those haymakers. How do I counter? At least for Scott Turner, Chad, when you're talking about uh, going down twenty-two nothing, but also not sustaining anything on that first that your first 15 that we all talk about and, and that like the schemed up things that you all practice so much, put in so much time for throughout a week, your first 15 yields you nothing, no first downs in your first 15. And um, you're, you're not countering or, or making some things happen until that second half. And you're able to work some mismatches down the field uh, and, and, and things like that. So um, I don't know what the fix is, man. And I don't know, like when you, when you, have those conversations about Scott Turner, you meaning the people that's listening and, and fans in general, when you have those conversations, excuse me, about Scott Turner, it's important to take these things into context. Sure, you can have a great game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you can't take that away from Scott Turner. He had a really good game. But then when you're talking about how things aren't working from you early on and how you're working to correct them and how you're work, working to open up your offense, um, sometimes things are, are very visible and very easy to see from a, from a, a – standpoint, and Washington couldn't get anything going in that first half, and it looked like Scott Turner had zero answers for how to up the blitzes, how to handle that pressure, and and where to send your slide protections if you're going to slide or anything like that. How to help out your quarterback because your quarterback was struggling. He was seeing the rush in that first half, like he yeah. fought in that second half, but he was seeing the rush, man. He couldn't do anything. No, and there's nothing hot, nothing, nothing quick. It was just like everything. As soon as the pressure's coming. You already know it's a sack. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, didn't he have three sacks in the first half? He had three sacks in the first uh, half. Was it? Yeah, he definitely had three sacks on the day, but yeah, yeah I, I don't, two in, the, two in the first half for sure. Yeah. Easy. Like, and that, that's, it's just, it's one of those things, man, where I'm just kind of shocked. I, I, I don't, I don't want to say it because kind of like heat of the moment. I, and I don't want us like to come off like in a weird way, but I feel like this, this coaching staff kind of came across a little, not old, but, they're just slow sometimes, man. Really slow to adjust. Really slow to uh, essentially like find an answer. And I think sometimes, man, that does you know cause questions like, hey, how good you know what's really the ceiling of of a of a, a team coached by this this staff? You know what I mean? Because you can only go as you know so far as as, as your coaching and everything that you have going on. And we see moments of brilliance, right? Like Scott Turner in that second half when it's twenty two zero and they score fourteen straight. Man, he was dialing up just pressure. It was all pressure, all heat. Everything was good. Uh, and then it kind of reverts back to the same. The defense can't do anything. That goes on, you know, JDR and and, uh, and Coach Rivera. But I'm just really curious to see, you know, as we go on this season, it's going to be very eye-opening for me because I, I know Wentz has his has his, uh, his his issues. And I know defensively, you know, they have holes, you know, in specific areas. But, you know, although they're not the most talented team, this is not a bad roster either, right? So I think this is going to be very eye-opening for me, Maul, to see kind of to kind of gauge, okay, where are they really at? And as far as the staff, where is the staff really at? You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And just to make sure my mic check is everything straight now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. Oh, yeah, you're good. Right, I saw your message. Um, yeah, yeah I hundred percent agree. I think the challenge moving forward. I guess this could be our last thing too, because uh, you know, it, it's it's not so much else we can say. This is clearly a coach's show. Um, this is a coaching, a very, uh, it's a coaching disappointment. Players definitely failed to execute. 
Um, there's a larger conversation about the defense to be had, but from an overall standpoint in these coaches, uh, specifically on the offensive side, Scott Turner got exactly what he needed for his offense. He got the quarterback with the strong arm. He got the quarterback who can make uh, three-level le- three throws. Um, he got the receivers who can attack downfield. Um, I would love to see. I can't wait till the film comes out to see how they played against this Lions secondary, meaning the receivers, um, because for Washington uh, to go three and out as many times as they did in that first half, uh, I can only believe, imagine two things, Damian. That means uh, obviously the pressure was getting to them as, on some occasions, but where, what about the other occasions? Was Carson yeah. Wentz not seeing these guys or were the receivers not winning? And it has to be a combination of both if, or maybe I would be surprised if it's one-sided and if these receivers can't win against these type of these type of cornerbacks and these type of schemes. But to your point, this offense has everything. Excuse me. Scott Turner has everything that he wants in this offense. They've traded for a quarterback with the arm strength again. I won't rehash that. And now you got a running game. Eventually, when Brian Robinson comes back, that's uh, very versatile. But you're using Antonio Gibson in a way that we all expected him to be used uh, ever since he got into the league. So there are so many things going on for this offense. And if your offense is the team or or the side of the ball that's going to struggle on occasion in the way in which he did against the Detroit Lions moving forward uh, with a defense that we nobody has faith in, like point blank period. So if you can't have faith on one side of the football, these guys are in for a long season and we can't sit here and say moving forward. I'm not overreacting, everybody. I'm, I'm being honest. We can't sit here and say moving forward that there are guaranteed wins on the schedule. Like, we can't look and say, like, we should be able to get this one. You can't do that. This isn't a game where, like, we like one and one is okay. But losing the way in which you did makes things much more harder to evaluate and much more concerning. And that's kind of where I'm at from this offensive perspective and then also from a team perspective trying to assess, like, how good are these guys? Yeah, they are They are one spectacular Jahan Dotson play away from questionably not, you know, being Jacksonville. I'm being 0-2, really. You know what I mean? They're, they are one Jahan Dotson superstar play, you know, away from potentially being 0-2, right? So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting season. It's the, the mood, the morale, the, the, the feeling, the vibe that we have for this team is definitely um, – I definitely expect them to go 2-0 to start. But I think like you, you hit you hit the nail on the head, man. It's the way that they that they lost and the way that they lose, man. It's not like back and forth very close. It's like you didn't look like you deserved to be on the same field as them in the first half. And then for a quarter you look like you did, and then you just revert to, you know, the same thing in that first half, you know, midway through the fourth quarter. It's just it, it, it's rough, man. It's tough. Absolutely, man. But Damien, uh, I appreciate you coming through, man, and venting. You are always welcome. Hopefully we can have you on Sundays for the post game moving forward. Yep. We'll definitely tap in and, and get this thing going. Obviously, we know you got a hectic schedule, man. You are Mr. Media down there in Texas. So you got a ton of things going, but we definitely going to make sure we have you on throughout this season. Let the people know where they can find you, read you, hear from you. Obviously, we know you're on Hogshaven. So as always, make sure you tap in the Hogshaven side. But uh, I want to give you the floor for everything else that you got going on, Big Dog. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. And yeah, definitely, if you want to do this on Sundays, Sunday is actually my only day off every week. So yeah, trust me, it's definitely works for me. Um, you can find my stuff on Hogs Haven. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at D.A. Bartonic. That's at D-A-B-A-R-T-O-N-E-K. I do a lot of stuff in TV right now. I'm an intern here in Austin. I did. I was in San Antonio for the summer. So yeah, I'm ev- I'm everywhere, man. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I live close to San Antonio, so I do everything. <laughs> but thanks again uh, for having me, brother. And I, and I can't wait to, you know, get on with another one uh, again. 
Absolutely, man. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you'll be hearing a lot more from Damien throughout this year uh, and throughout the rest of the Hog Haven podcast. But uh, appreciate him joining me. Uh, y'all take it easy. Y'all enjoy y'all day. If y'all are listening on Sunday, man, enjoy that Sunday night game. If you're listening throughout the week, uh, we will be back throughout the middle of the week uh, to kind of give our, our final thoughts on this game and then turn the page to the Philadelphia Eagles, who, um, well, they play tomorrow night, Monday night. Uh, so we'll we'll know soon if they'll they'll play one uh, if they'll be one and one or two and zero oh after the game against the Minnesota Vikings. So y'all take it easy, enjoy y'all day, enjoy enjoy y'all day, Jesus Christ, enjoy y'all night, and all that good stuff. <laughs>